one more with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between just one more cupcake and just one more kettlebell swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flam. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And Daphne is not here this week because we are talking to a special guest. Uh, before we begin, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan, and definitely before uh, trying to self-diagnose with anything that we're talking about today, because we are not doctors. Um, also, uh, if you're not following us on uh, social mediums, medias, medium, medii, uh, you should be. Um, it's a great way to have us sort of pop up throughout your week in places that you already are um, with stuff from the show. Um, inspirational quotes, uh, you know, memes that have beaches, uh, whatever you're into, follow us. Uh, we're at Just One More Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Just One More Podcast. So we'll see you on the internet. Uh, Jen Welch, welcome to the show. Hi, Joanna. Careful listeners <laughs> will re remember Jen from our uh, recent episode where we uh, had comedians talking about their stories. Uh -huh. uh, Jen told us about uh, climbing up a mountain. Climbing up a mountain in LA. <laughs> uh, so, who are you and what do you do? I, I'm, uh, well, I'm Jen Welch. Uh, that was a question I wasn't prepared for. Um, I am a comedian and a web designer and a person who's kind of, you know, like a modern renaissance woman and a tap dancer and a person, uh, uh, I, I, can teacher I call myself also? an activist of sure, sorts? For sure, for sure. And then a teacher of, of fun. I teach people how to have fun. Many of us need that help. Right? <laughs> As do I. That's why I teach it. Um, well, the, the reason, there are really a multitude of things we could have talked with you about on this podcast, and maybe we'll have you back to talk about other things. But um, the main thing I wanted to talk about is you have been on a concussion journey. Oh my god, what a journey it's been. Um, and uh, concussions get talked about somewhat in the media, almost always in the context of professional football players yep. or like high school, you know, athletes. soccer athletes yeah. and stuff. Um, but concussions, from what I can tell, are astoundingly common and can have much bigger consequences than anyone sort of realizes yeah. for average people. Right? Who would have thought that it'd be, I, it's been, uh, oh, doing math in my head, doing math in my broken head. It's been a year and three months, so 15 months since I, uh, what happened was I, um, I got into the shower and uh, I was waiting for the water to heat up, but I, I was already in the shower, like facing the faucet, right? And, um, and you know, whatever. And I, uh, the water finally got warm. I took a step forward. My feet went out from under me. I was in the air and then my head hit the back of the tub. Uh, it was terrifying. It was one of the most terrifying moments. It was the most terrifying moment of my life. Um, uh, in a very scary life, I've had a lot. Of, I've had a lot of <laughs> not moments, to laugh, right? But... Like, yeah, it's not like I've just been like in a bubble. Um, but uh, it was. I had no idea that this would take over my life the way it has. Um, I didn't know that a concussion could last longer than a week or so. I didn't know. I mean, obviously, I hear about CTE. And that's football players, like, hitting their heads over and over and over again. Like Right, and then yeah. eventually down the road having brain yeah. problems. Yeah, and um, but I have been um, – this has been a wild uh, – a wild journey is how I'm going to put it. It's like who, no idea. Like this is like a whole new, I'm going to, one of my issues that I still have is that when I start talking, I have a hard time ending the talking. <laughs> so, um, so you're, so this is going to be a two hour long podcast. Just a two hour long podcast of me still answering the first question. She's still <laughs> on the first question. <laughs> well, I have a follow up to the first question, which is, so given that you didn't know what, what the next 15 months were going to hold, it, how, when it was still so scary in the moment, do, do you have any sense of like why you knew to be scared? Oh, well, Was it just because of, like, I hit my head or it happened so fast? Or? It was one of those moments, like, you, you kind of hear about this or you, uh, if you're 
um, into like pop science or like uh, and who isn't who isn't right um, but there's actually a, a, a neurologist his name is Dave Eagleman um, that's guys I'm pulling this out I wasn't prepared to talk about this but here <laughs> we go with facts um, David Eagleman um, has a great book don't remember the name of it but I'll hey, look it up I remember I remembered his name you know he has another great book called some which is all short stories like fiction that's are, are all short stories of different versions of what the afterlife could be huh. uh, it's amazing his other book though it has a yellow cover and a picture of a head on it um, so it is uh, one of the things he talks about in it is his experience like what got him into neuroscience was his experience falling off a roof at it like in his teens mm. and the way that as he was falling, time slowed down. Yeah. And um, and it's not time slowing down. It's our perception of time slowing down. I mean, time isn't even a thing. It's just a perception to begin with. Whoa. Right? Like, I know. <laughs> Crazy, Jen. I um, have no concept of time to begin with. But I, it's been even worse since the concussion. There's literally only right now. Like, <laughs> that's it. Um, but I... Uh, but you had time to think about it as you were falling? As I was falling, I definitely had time to think about it. It had been um, 11 months since my dad passed away. I remember having the thought while I was in the air of, like, I didn't think, I didn't think I'd be... I'm not a believer of, you know, afterlife things, but but in my head I was like, I didn't think I'd see my dad again this soon. Whoa, so you thought you were going to die. Oh my God, you're in the air in the bathtub. Yeah. Like, you know your, your head is going to hit something. Um, and it was just like a slow realization of what was happening. And I think after it happened, I somehow, your brain goes into, um, uh, almost like a, like a purely, like I was home alone. So I'm home alone. The shower is running. Paul Simon's I Know What I Know is playing on loop on my phone because that's a way I keep time in the showers. I put one song on loop and then uh -huh. I know how long it is. And then like, mm -hmm. okay. Um, uh, and um, I just, I came to, I just, uh, my body was like in total like, animal fight or flight mode in a way that I've never been before. Like I've had a lot of like things in my life that have brought up fear responses, but this was like a totally, like I was making sounds that I didn't know I was capable of making. Um, I somehow managed to, to contact a friend who I knew had the phone number of the director of classes at the theater that I taught at because I was supposed to go teach an improv class. And I was like, I don't think I can do that right now. And, um, and then I somehow managed to reach out to all of my friends who I would be in like Bushwick. Um, one of my, uh, good friends, uh, came home from, he was at the Met uh, looking at the um, uh, Edward Monk exhibit and uh, <laughs> came home. He, he was like, I'm coming, and he like came home. Which is far from Bushwick, I will say. Yes, it probably weird. took a while. It took a while. Um, I somehow got dressed, uh, but I was in a, like, I was in a state that was not, I can't even, I, like, I don't even know how it happened. Do you, like, you probably don't have any way to know how long you were out. No, no idea, because water's running on me, and Paul Simon's I Know What I Know is still playing. <laughs> but it's on repeat, yeah, so exactly. it's not even like you can track your way through the album. Exactly. And um, and just this, uh, yeah, so it's like kind of, I guess it's like adrenaline at that point that's mm -hmm. like keeping you going. And um, we went to we went to City MD, and they were like... Which, I don't know <laughs> if they have these other places, but it's basically like a walk-in urgent, urgent care. care. Like, you go there when, like, you have the flu or something. Other pl I think in most other places, you would... The similar thing is, like, a CVS has, like, a walk-in clinic. Yeah. But, like, for some reason in New York, they're all separate. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just like a little walk-in, like, you know, oh, you broke a toe or something, you right. know? Like, so whatever. you don't have to go to, like... The ER, right? It's to keep the it's to keep the non emergencies out of the out of the ER. I so we went there, um, and they were like, uh, no, and they <laughs> like they sent us to the ER, and so we went into the city to, and um, and you know they did uh they did a um 
you know, they did what you would imagine. Honestly, I don't really remember. Sure. I, I know that I have medical records of a CAT scan being done and an x-ray on my neck because my neck hurt really bad. Um, and then they gave me a packet of papers that said I had a, what they call a mild traumatic brain injury, uh, which is a concussion. And, um, and then they sent me on my way. And I, um, it's interesting that they gave me a pack of like a good amount of, sorry, I'm trying, I'm thinking, what I'm thinking about in my head right now is that we should bleep out the name of the hospital. Oh, okay. Okay. That's fine. Um, <laughs> just because I'm going to say things right sure. now that I don't want to, all the hospitals are, I mean, great. Um, they work hard. I, um, yeah, they sent me on my way with this pack of papers and thank God I had a friend there with me to read through them because I couldn't read them at the time. And wow. you know, and they didn't tell me that I'm supposed to like have somebody like stay with me overnight and you know, and all of that like I, in my head at the time it was kind of like, well, this might be overkill, but also I guess I should, you know, so I stayed at my friend's place. He woke me up every 3 hours, you know. And then the next day, like again, with no understanding of how bad this was going to be, the next day we played a board game that morning and then I live tweeted the Golden Globes with a concussion because I thought it would be funny. Like not knowing that like, you know, I, and then after that I was off of screens for like a week, but, um, but that first night I talked to my neurologist. It's not, I'm not still dealing with, with this because I live-tweeted the Golden Globes. <laughs> you didn't break yourself I didn't break with myself. your funny commentary about pop culture? <laughs> no, that's not what did it. It's so but, interesting, though, that knowing, that the professionals knowing what was wrong um, didn't sort of address you and what you might need to know for your care in a way that was appropriate for what was well, wrong with you. What I've really learned over the past 15 months is that a lot of doctors have no idea what they're dealing with when they're dealing with a concussion. Like a lot of people just have the mindset of like, oh, just sleep it off, you know, right. and it's, and for a lot of people that is all you have to do, but it can be, um, the thing about a concussion is that there is no such, there's literally, like, a concussion is not like, oh, you can see it on their brain, that's a concussion. Like, right, it's not like a cut or something you can right. see yeah. and diagnose that way. Yeah, a concussion is actually, like, a series of symptoms, and they can be different for every person. No two concussions are alike, and, um, and what I'm dealing with now is called post-concussion syndrome, and a syndrome is not a specific, it's a, it's a series of symptoms, it's not a disease, mm -hmm. right? So, um, so my, like, you know, I have friends from support groups and stuff and we're all dealing with different, I have one friend who just hasn't even looked at the television in 15 months. We have the same concussion date and mm. she just has not, she just doesn't look at screens anymore at all. And, um, I've been fine with screens. Like that's been not a, a challenge for me. Um, my stuff comes more with like loud noises, visual stuff, and also, um, uh, Sorry, I'm getting ahead of things, but, um, you know, some of the ways that mine has uh, shown up is uh, my eyes weren't moving together anymore. So I had to do, like, three months of occupational therapy every week with all these eye exercises, like, exercises for my eyeballs, you yeah. know, which is crazy. Retraining your body how to do its yeah. basic stuff. Yeah, and, um, and then also... Um, I had to do a bunch of physical therapy for my neck because I ended up getting like whiplash in my neck and in my jaw. And so I had to do physical therapy specifically for my jaw. Um, and then I've had to do a lot of speech therapy. Um, that's been a big issue for me. Um, I have, I know you can't believe this podcast listeners, but I couldn't talk for a while. Like I, and it's crazy. And people like I could still write, mm -hmm. Because with writing, I can see what I've already written, you know, sure. and, I, and, so, and I can edit and I can keep my, so I can put my thoughts into writing. But when I'm talking, um, there's a, there's a thing that happens when you talk where you're speaking, but then also you're hearing what you're saying. And then, so it's a loop that happens and my brain couldn't handle it. Yeah. Like my brain was just like, no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I still with, uh, up. um, 
I was going to say, this must have been a huge thing because you're a stand-up comedian. I was trying to keep going with stand-up. Um, it took me... what I ended up taking about seven months off, which was, which is a nightmare. If you are like, so being a stand-up in New York City typically means, just so that people understand what that, the significance significance of that is. Okay, words. Um, uh, As a stand-up in New York City, you can basically get on stage three times a night. You can have shows booked every night of the week. Like you, um, your entire evenings, it's, it's a second full-time job and that's how you get good and you're surrounded by people who are doing the same thing and it is, um, it's your life. And it's also how you build your way towards, you know, the next step of your career Absolutely. is being out all the time, getting seen all the time, yeah. not just getting better, but also it's networking with the other people. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's how you make connections, it's how you get booked, and if you're not hustling, then you're not taking it seriously, and, um, you know, and I kept going after a, like, significant trauma um, thing that happened, and then also kept going after my dad passed away. I was, I, I had written 10 minutes of dead dad material within a month after, and, and like, and... I need, that's how I cope with things, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that first month after my dad died, I was basically in shock, writing comedy, getting up as much as possible, and then I dealt with my feet, like, and then, you know. Um, but, and so suddenly with this head injury, like, and those three things happened in success. Like, one year was trauma, one year was dad is dead, and then the following year is, and now you have no brain, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sort of had, like, a... Uh... An extended Tignataro experience. Yeah, yeah, right. Like everything terrible happens in a short period. There's like a scene from The Simpsons where Homer falls off a cliff and then he hits a cliff and then he lands on a cliff and then that cliff breaks and then he like hits another cliff and then that cliff, like, and you just keep falling, you know? Um, And that's kind of what was going on in my life at this time. And so now suddenly you've taken away my main coping skill for anything and I can't make jokes about it. And I, I like, I tried. To keep going up, I quickly learned that I cannot stand. So you don't think about what you don't think about is how many um, tasks your body is doing at any given time. Yeah, right? how much multitasking you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so um, when you're on stage doing comedy, you're standing, um, you're holding a microphone, right? Um, you're making eye contact with the audience. You're speaking. Uh, you're remembering things that you need to say with a certain cadence or a certain, like, you know, pa-pa-pa, right? And uh, and you're also, like, have to be present to, like, anything that's weird or, ha- you know, like, there's a lot that has to happen. And so, like, my neuro- my favorite thing about this experience has been how seriously all of my doctors and specialists take my comedy career. It's <laughs> amazing. They're like, we need to get you back up on stage. And I'm like, nobody else in New York thinks that. But great. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, one of the first things we figured out was that, like, I can't stand... Like standing is the standing and holding the microphone are the easiest things to take out of the equation. So now when I'm on stage, I have to sit, I have to keep the mic in the stand, and then I can and then I can talk. Um, um, But what happened was, so I was trying to keep going with that. I had booked a few dates out in Philadelphia um, with a friend, um, like in April. So this is from January to April. I was like, I'll be fine by April, and I got out there for those dates and. I didn't have enough time to recover after the first night, um, and I got up on stage the second night, and I just had no words. Mm. And I was just like on stage in front of a crowd in Philadelphia, and I just had no words. And luckily for me, like the whole night had already gone bananas. Like the, the, <laughs> you were not the weirdest thing I was, that happened. I was definitely not the weirdest thing that happened. I was the the last comic on a late show that started forty five minutes late because the owner of the theater got punched in the head by a drunk customer. Who Whoa! Liked stuff. Yeah, it was like it was. I had already called nine one one at this theater. <laughs> like there was like so much going on that night, which I also think probably played into sure. me not being able to talk on stage. But still, that's how my night ended, and that feeling. I was like. I can't, like, I'm the person who has to take care of myself, and I can't 
put myself into that situation again. Like, I need to take, like, this recovery seriously, and I need to, like, not put this pressure on myself to, like, keep performing through this. Um, Had you, in in those first three months after sort of your initial hospital visit and going home, had you had other, like, were you already in various therapies and cares, or did that not sort of start until you realized, oh, this is, like, a much more serious ongoing thing? Um, that started uh, about a month before that trip to Philly. Got it. Um, and so, basically, a concussion doesn't become post-concussion syndrome until, um, uh, unless you are still having um, symptoms three months after the initial injury. It's basically a way for the medical establishment to say like this doesn't seem to be going away yes yeah yeah, that's it I mean because when I first saw like I saw my primary care doctor um the same week it happened you know I followed up with him and he was like it's just gonna take time you're fine and I'm like okay and then I spent like two months in bed and not even realizing I'd spent two months in bed I have to tell you okay so this is bananas I (laughs) I am a very um, uh, highly imaginative person. Sure. I visualize a lot of things. I can be walking down the street and not see, be seeing anything that's in front of me because I'm so in my head with whatever thing I'm thinking about that I'm watching that instead, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, after I hit my head, suddenly it was just darkness. Like you had no imaginary images. I had no, I had nothing in my head. Silence and darkness. And up until it was, I mean, there was like a lot going on this, but like up until that first head injury, I, um, a big thing that kept me going through my dad um, after my dad passed away was this, um, uh, being able to like picture him. um, There was like a moment in the hospital before he died where like we were just like sitting there and I was holding his hand and just the way he was looking at me was like very like loving and wonderful. And it was this thing that I could go to and just like as like a remembrance of like, yes, he's gone now, but we had that moment, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, suddenly... You couldn't that, access that at all. At all. And I couldn't access anything at all. Like, my brain was just like, we're walking down a hallway. We're going to the bathroom. And now we're in the bathroom. And now we're going to sit on the toilet. Okay. And now we're going to the bathroom. And now we're standing up. We wiped. Okay, great. And now we're going back to the bedroom. And um, we did, don't worry, we washed our hands. But, um, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but that's what my head was for a good like at some point I was able to start whenever I tried to picture something um you know what I described it as okay it's like you know uh pre-windows computer Uh where you're just typing in the command line like I remember there was for those of you who are young (laughs) before computers looked like a desktop yeah it was just like a black screen and the only way to interact with them was like typing what now young people probably would think of as code yeah that's about it with like a green font Mm -hmm. uh and uh so basically I remember there was like something that happened and I felt disappointed and my head was just like disappointment like was like what like I couldn't feel the feeling but mm-hmm. I knew I felt disappointment yeah and so it was just like here's disappointment huh and then um and then for a while this is going to make me sound like a crazy person but whatever um I've already mm, okay um uh then um I would try to picture something, and all I could picture was a bowl of popcorn for a while, no matter what I tried to picture. Just a bowl That's of popcorn. so interesting. A bowl Is of it popcorn, a specific bowl of popcorn? Just a big bowl filled with popcorn, and then occasionally a unicorn. <laughs> nice collection of things. mental clip art. I'm just realizing now that it's popcorn, unicorn, like maybe corn-related corn things. things. I don't know. Um, but that was what I could picture. Eventually, down the line, I started being able to picture um, just flashes of, this is like with a lot of, like, honestly, I just got part, this part of me back probably a few months ago. Um, but, sorry, we don't need no, to. No, not I, at all. Um, you're, you're doing fine. Um, my dad um, 
started coming back in flashes of like his hotel gown. Um, the Pat's Blue Ribbon ski hat he was wearing in the hospital for whatever reason you know like his hand like mm -hmm. whatever but I couldn't get like a full and then and then it would come together like a Picasso right where it's like and I'm like it's taken a while to like and now I'm kind of at the point where I can picture things but not totally and not all the time so it's but it's a really that has been one of the hardest things to deal with because that's how I um, that's how I operate in the world, mm -hmm. you know? Well, I was going to ask because, because I, spoiler alert, Jen and I are friends, um, not to brag, um, <laughs> but I know that also like you deal with ADD issues, uh -huh. um, and I am, don't deal with those issues, so forgive me if I'm mischaracterizing, but it seems to me from the outside that like, that sort of, uh, like creative world that you existed in prior to the concussion must have been like a big part of your experience of life, both in complicating ways and in enjoyable ways. Oh my God. And that to sort yeah. of turn off all those channels must have been um, just like a totally different way of being in the world. Well, it's, you think, so to say it's like turning off all those channels, actually kind of what it is, is turning all those channels up so high that mm. it's like, like, it, I can't picture things in, like, so basically what is happening with a concussion is your brain has to just focus on the, like, just has to focus on the getting through the day tasks, mm -hmm. right? Like, just the basic, like, even things like swallowing or, like, you know, things where it's like, oh, and now, like, I can't even, like, those first few months it's just like I'm a robot moving through the world but what that also means is that all of my coping mechanisms that I've built up over the years for things like my ADD dealing with my PTSD dealing with um we'll get into the PTSD and the grief in a little bit but like especially with the ADD um I also have like a thing called um dyspraxia which um is uh it's kind of how, how do I describe it it's um it's really affects my executive functioning skills, really affects um, my awareness of where I am in space, mm -hmm. right? Um, when I got excited because, uh, so earlier guys, I went into Joanna's bathroom and she was like, the light switch is on the right. But when I looked at it, it was actually on my left and I was so excited to call her out on this <laughs> because I, but what happened, okay, we don't need to get in what, Joanna was right when I was facing away from the light switch. <laughs> One but, might argue you should tell someone what side the light switch is on when they're looking at it, but <laughs> potato, potato. Right? Um, but I, for my entire life, like left and right is not a thing that I'm ever, like it just doesn't stick you know mm -hmm. and tying my shoes doesn't stick like it takes me a very long time like people get angry with me as I tie my shoes okay <laughs> and like things like that that for um um things that are routine for people like your morning routine whatever that is mm -hmm. it's like every day I'm starting over like every day I'm like well how do I do this how do I do it what's going on and that was true before your concussion yeah but I had built up coping mechanisms sure you know even like in my brain coping mechanisms and now um that's all gone mm. so I have this weird combination of like blankness with like what the way fuck? too much noise yeah way too much and that was part of the reason why this has been so difficult too is like um auditory and visual processing um my brain couldn't filter out what was important to be looking at and what was important to be hearing so i like i mean i have to take um uh they call it paratransit or accessoride now basically because for a while when i would go into the subway system my my sensory like I would, it would just be so sensory overload that I would get dizzy and have to like sit on the ground. Like yeah. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the sound, the people, like what's go, like it's just too much. Um, it seems like, um, and it seemed like this from the outside, you know, hearing, you know, what you shared during, you know, over the last 15 months, uh, not to like, put to like find a point on it but it seemed devastating like oh, yeah. the number the variety of things that are required for normal life that you could not do uh, after you fell in the shower which yeah. sounds like a thing that like people are like oh, I fell in the shower um, but like you couldn't there were times when you couldn't talk yeah um, 
you couldn't like picture things in your mind. Uh-huh. You couldn't pursue your career. Uh-huh. Uh, she's like, yes, I recall. Um, <laughs> you couldn't um, ride the train, uh-huh. which in New York is like how you get anywhere. Yep. Um, no loud noises, which is also how you survive living here. Yep. Um, were you able to emotionally process how devastating this was? Well, that's the thing. So, um, I had been, I feel like for, so in regards to emotions, I already have, um, how do I want to put this? Sorry. Um, I have PTSD from earlier events in my life um, that I had been in trauma therapy for when I got the concussion and I continued for four months. Um, um, I would say in that trauma therapist's office was the only place where I actually was able to connect with any emotions I had around this and how devastating it was. Um, And then after that and outside of that office, I just sort of existed like slightly above myself mm-hmm. because I couldn't deal like the emotions around everything is too much. Well, I was going to say like, even if you had your full normal brain function, it would be emotion. Like, I don't know how you move through that. If yeah. you can fully acknowledge and feel like how much has been taken by this like one random dumb thing. Yeah. One really random dumb thing. And I, um, I, so you just sort of like, I mean, it's a thing that I, like, it's it's like a mild disassociation, mm-hmm. right? And so if I can just exist up here and then I don't have to, like, actually feel how awful this is, um, then I can go through the motions and get to where I need to go and do the things I need to do. And that was, you know, um, one of my um, psychotherapists that I've been dealing with since the concussion pointed out to me the two biggest things that I have had... Um, uh, that just sort of like disappeared from my brain were um, my dad and um, the um, traumatic event that happened mm-hmm. the year prior to my dad passing away, um, where it's just like, like, I honestly, like I hit my head and then I was just like, trauma's gone. <laughs> you know? Not to die, no big deal. And, um, like that specific trauma and mm-hmm. um you know and they pointed out to me it's like my brain is trying to like protect me right now like those are two very high level things mm-hmm. like really like um that uh, in the best functioning brain require a lot yeah yeah so much and um you know and it ended up uh this is like another um area that like I don't know this probably requires trigger warnings and stuff like mm-hmm. that but um so I won't talk about it but I have to talk about it because now it's coming out of my mouth sure so if you want to edit this out you can edit cool. it out but um you know during during this year of the concussion I actually um had the opportunity to like work um with detectives to actually investigate that thing that happened three years prior mm-hmm. two or three years prior um and so now I'm dealing with that during this head injury thing as well. And it's just like, but that could, because that's the thing. It's like you hit your head and that doesn't stop everything else from moving forward. Mm-hmm. You still have to operate in the world and it's really difficult. Yeah. And also like it's an invisible injury. Right. If you get on the train, no one's getting up because they assume that they, because they can see a disability or see, you right. know. Yeah. And, and I had a really hard time with that when I was still taking the train that like, oh, I should like try to get a seat. But I'm also aware of the fact that I present as a totally functional, like 30 something white lady. And I don't want to be a, you know what I mean? Yeah. You it's don't want to like, uh, appear to be taking a benefit that you don't, you haven't like quote unquote earned. Yeah. Or that somebody else who like, you know, I, I don't know. Like we, we all honestly, everybody deserves a seat, but <laughs> we don't all get one, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and, um, I, uh, forget where I was talking about. So that's okay. Me, me so directions. once, once you sort of realized, you know, three months in, once you were at the point where you could get diagnosed as having post-concussion syndrome and stuff, yeah. What kinds of therapies did you have that helped uh, 
and are helping during your recovery? Yeah, so I am really lucky. Um, I don't even know how I stumbled upon this. Um, I found that um, NYU Langone has a, um, a concussion research center or a concussion treatment center. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got in um, to see a neurologist through them. Um, they um, got me into physical therapy um, for my neck and my shoulders, um, which was so helpful. That was like one of the first things I did. Then I got into vestibular therapy, which is your balance system, right? Uh, so, sure. So like the dizziness and stuff that I was feeling, and that is intense. Um, I had to do things like just stand and stare at a letter on the wall, but also turn my head as I'm staring at it back and forth. And let me tell you, my green city, like just Oof. I would do my exercises and then just like be out for two days. And that's what you're supposed to feel like when you're doing them because you're like retraining your brain and it's, it's, it hurts. Um, uh, the, uh, so vestibular therapy, um, that was the worst. Uh, then occupational therapy, my favorite, uh, <laughs> because that was a lot of like, um, there's this string called a Brock string with beads on it, and I have to tie it to something across the room, and I have to focus on the front bead, focus on the middle bead, focus on the far bead, focus on the dip, 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 and just like move your like focus like back and forth, and then like things like scanning, like you know, and um, also like reading lines of letters out loud and stuff and then like walking back and forth while you're reading lines of letters and like all that so that was to like get my eyes working together um and then I had speech therapy um favorite (laughs) love it um in the middle of all of this oh by the way did you know that once you have one concussion it's really easy to get a second worst concussion Oh, no. Yes. Did so, that happen to you, Jen? Oh, I think it did. It really did. I um, I was uh, so dumb. I was just getting into an Uber. It was an SUV, and I was stepping up into it. And part of dyspraxia is having no awareness of how far away you are from anything. Sure. I bump into door frames, like, constantly. I'm constantly bumping into door frames. I'm covered in bruises all the time. Um, my New Year's resolution one year was to stop whacking my hands into things like door frames. <laughs> Turns out that's not a thing you can resolve to stop doing. No, it just happens. Um, and uh, I was stepping up into the SUV, didn't realize how close I was to the door frame, uh. and just full force, bam, right into my head, and that was my second concussion. Uh, how long was that after the first one? Um, so that was six months after the first one, and I was just getting into occupational therapy, had finished vestibular therapy, was still in physical therapy, and they everything had to stop. And I had to, like, take another week just in bed. And things got, like, honestly, things were... I don't think I'd still be dealing with all of this right now if I didn't get the second concussion. Mm -hmm. Um, Speech therapy? Therapy therapy. With a a therapist who understands head injuries and concussions. Uh, Two psychoeducational concussion support groups. One just on understanding what the heck is going on with my brain. Another one on stress management when you have uh, difficulty regulating your emotions now. Um, and then finally back to speech therapy because I had to take a break because I had two surgeries in the middle of all of this. And then, um, and then physical therapy for my jaw. And now I still have, um, I'm doing, um, I haven't been able to sleep through the night since this happened. Mm-hmm. I can't sleep for more than three hours at a time, which means I've just found this out, guys. When you can only sleep for three hours at a time, you can't get a full REM like REM cycle in, REM, REM, whatever. Sure. Um, go with it. Uh, you can't get a full cycle in, which means you end up waking up in the middle of your dreams, and which means... I am aware of every crazy psychotic dream I Whoa. have, and they are mostly nightmares, and then I have to convince myself to go back to bed. And so I have a lot of memories now that are just dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, brain. I know. It's really fun. Um, but I have my sleep specialist that I'm going to be working with um, 
uh, soon and uh, that is really helpful and I don't think I have any other therapies coming up I think that's it it seems like a full-time job it is it is and I have to make tons of appointments and, and one of the things that's really um, lacking and causing me a lot of problems is my executive functioning skills which is things like organizing your time and like planning for the future and what are you doing on an hourly basis day by day and like what's an hour what's a day I don't know <laughs> you know um, so yeah, a lot of time spent scheduling and um, finding doctors and specialists and ugh, yeah. How have you possibly managed to deal with insurance through all of this? Well, luckily I'm poor. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for Medicaid. Um, I don't know, I would be done as a person, I would be yeah. done. Um, if I didn't have Medicaid, Medicaid, Medicare for all, like everyone should, nobody should be bankrupt and destroyed because of a slip in the shower. Like the, the medical. And you would have been 100%, would, oh, 100%. because not only would you, do you have all the care, but like, I assume that you weren't able to work for much I of this haven't time. Ha my mom has been got like, thank God, like my mom has been supporting me this past year. Because the other thing, too, is like, oh, why don't I just move home to upstate New York? Well, upstate New York doesn't have the resources to get me better. Right. You know? Um, doesn't and, happen to have this hospital that happens to have a concussion center. And... Yeah. And, um, I, you know, so I've been really lucky in that I have Medicaid because I've also had to have, um, you know, again, like we were saying with the uh, detect with the investigation stuff, like other stuff in your life doesn't stop. You know, it turns out in the middle of all of this, I've grown giant cysts on my ovaries that are filled with hair and teeth and organs. Unrelated, as unrelated, far as we know. As far as we know, completely unrelated. Uh, so I've had two surgeries now at this point in the past six months to remove these cysts. The first surgery, they said they were the size of two baby's heads. Um, and <laughs> As someone with a baby's head currently inside her, uh, I can't imagine one being there that was not going to turn out to be a baby. I know, right? And they will not let me keep the teeth. It's so upsetting. <laughs> I, so, Joanna, I have just found out, guys, listeners, this is news for you, for everyone. You I heard just, it here first. <laughs> I just found out. Honestly, haven't even posted on social media about this yet. Can wow. you believe it? I, I just found out that I need to have a third surgery. Wow, congratulations. On May 8th, hopefully going to be the final surgery. Uh, I said to the to the gynecological surgeon, I said, listen, this is my third surgery in seven months. If there is a tooth, I want it. I deserve this tooth. And she said, I agree. And so hopefully I will be coming out of this third surgery with the tooth that I have grown on my ovaries. As a 39-year-old woman, it might be my only baby. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but... The, the fact that you're able to laugh about the I you know, your experience, I mean, but interestingly, because of the brain stuff, it's interesting to me, like, there's, like, the emotional level of, like, I'm so glad you can laugh, but there's also, like, the brain level of, like, I'm glad that you can, like, process that there are funny things about oh my this God. experience. Right? I, like... And for a while, there wasn't. I couldn't write jokes for a while. I couldn't do anything. And it was really, um, it was awful. And um, and it seems like such a luxury thing to complain about. Like, oh, I couldn't make jokes about the situation I'm in. And yeah. it's like, but no, when that's like your coping skill, like mm -hmm. when that's how you, that when that's how you like exist in the world, like what are you supposed to do? You know, um, I, I, had a thing I was going to say. Oh, so Medicaid, Medicare for all, um, because you don't know when you're going to end up slipping in the shower and needing to have massive amounts of hair and teeth removed from your <laughs> pelvis, you know, and guess what? None of that is my fault. Right. I didn't, uh, health things are not punishments. They're right. not, they're not punishments. Yeah. You didn't get a head injury from being a bad person. No, no. And like, you know, the other thing about all of this is that, like, I am a self-employed artistic person. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be punished for that either. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. It's not your fault for getting sick while creative. Right? How <laughs> dare I? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so where, how would you characterize where your brain and body are now, 15 months after the concussion? Um, well... I feel like 
there is a grieving process that had to be had to be gone through mm -hmm. um, because my brain might never be the way it was. And part of the reason, just to make it sort of um, uh, to people who either have gone gone through this or whatever, like. Um, there's like four things I want to say, so here that I'm just going to count them all. I'm sorry, I keep it's doing fine. these really aggressive hand motions to Joanna like when I have something where I was like, I, I need to remember it. Um, one, I, they say you can't look at screens after a concussion, and yeah, you need to go a few days without looking at screens, okay? But starting to look at screens is not what's going to cause this situation that I'm in right now. Because they say, actually, the longer you stay in a dark room and don't try to get back to normal life at a modified pace, mm -hmm. the more likely you are to suffer from, like, really severe, like, depression and stuff like that after your concussion. So, um, yeah, because sit, who, sitting in a dark room alone with a broken brain is not any, that's not a positive experience. Right. Um, so what, what they think probably... Um, was the cause of this is um, I definitely had a few undiagnosed concussions when I was growing up. Um, you know, one instance where I ran into a friend's kitchen on her linoleum floor after being in a swimming pool, landed on the back of my head and woke up in her family room while Elvira was on television, okay? So like <laughs> that was definitely a concussion that and nobody I, took care of. I yeah. think there are a lot, of un, a lot of kids or people who as kids had undiagnosed concussions, especially if you're around our age because yeah. the people just weren't paying attention. We didn't know. It's if, a, yeah. if you played soccer, if you, you know, just <laughs> ran into stuff yeah. as kids do, it's very easy to have a concussion history you don't know about. Yeah, exactly. And then once you start going through something like this, you're like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's that. There's also the fact that before I hit my head, I was dealing with pretty severe trauma and pretty severe grief. And um, that's basically like running a marathon when both of your ankles are already twisted, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it, I was just primed up for a pretty, like, that's where I was at. And they actually say um, grief and concussions are, like, very similar in the way mm -hmm. that your brain responds to the situations. Um, okay. Also, what was the question? Um, how do you feel, or, like, how would you characterize how you're doing now, basically? Grieving myself. Wait, I had another thing I wanted to say. Gosh darn it. See, this is what we deal with. And <laughs> it's I, all right. But if then people are like, oh, I forget stuff all the time. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just never existed. Hold up. So we were talking about um, bop, 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 bop. Oh, you have bop. to grieve the fact that your brain may never go back to... My brain might never go back to what it was. Uh, this is just who I am now, you know? And there are things about this that I love. There are things about this that I've just come to just really um, embrace. And one of those things is is the speech thing because I end up saying things sometimes that are so ridiculous that I it's like a gift, you know? <laughs> like I was with a friend and I... Uh, I I said to her that I need to pop into the old Tic Tac store. And what I meant was I wanted to go to the grocery store. That's what I meant. I said, I'm going to pop into the old Tic Tac store. And like, what the hell does that even like, you know, and just little gifts like that, where it's like, well, that's delightful, you know? Um, and also it's made me slow down. It's made me deal with a lot of stuff that never got dealt with. Cause I was diagnosed with ADD in my twenties mm -hmm. and I was diagnosed with the dyspraxia thing, just like around this, mm -hmm. you know? Um, God, what was the thing I wanted to say? It was about, ba, da, da, my, I got it, guys. <laughs> we got it. We got it. Mild. So, as I said earlier, they had diagnosed me with a mild traumatic brain injury, okay? And so, uh, you hear the word mild, and you're like, oh, that's, we're going to be fine, right? Mm -hmm. Um, a mild traumatic brain injury, okay? So, <laughs> what that means is you didn't shatter your pelvis but you did break your wrist mm -hmm. you know metaphorically, metaphorically in terms of your brain in, for, in terms of your brain right so you still need to have a cast on it you still need to probably go to physical therapy afterwards you still might feel bad when it's raining you know like so give you i learned that i have to just like accept like i have to let myself heal mm -hmm. you know um because it's just, I'm going to end up with a with a wrist that is bananas if I don't, men mm -hmm. in, the, in this metaphor that we're talking yeah. about, right? There's sort of no option to just like, well, just keep using your wrist and I'm sure it will get better. Right? And that's what, 
And and I think that's like another thing that I've had to. How, what was the question again? How do I uh, feel uh, about you, myself? Yeah, like how are you doing? How are you doing now? Where are you at now in your recovery and all those things? Maybe this is just like a meta answer. <laughs> like. But you can do a lot of stuff now that you could not do immediately after last, the concussion. And I have to celebrate little teeny tiny things. Last week, I took the subway every day. Wow. Not every day, but every day I needed to go somewhere. Sure. Right? Which is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't do that a month ago. Um, I uh, am hosting a weekly open mic again now, and I'm making myself get up. Even when I feel like I don't have good jokes, just get up there and just do stuff. Um, And um, that is good. Um, I am starting to work a little bit more. You know, it's really hard to organize stuff, but I'm learning how to adapt. I have my entire bedroom is just covered with giant post-it notes with instructions and and like (laughs) reminders and things like that. Um, But that's okay. I just live in a like Brooklyn version of Memento now. Um, (laughs) It's... uh, yeah, just a lot of acceptance. My body, where it's at, you know, I've got a gym membership recently, and I'm just taking it real easy, you know, mm-hmm. and I have to accept that, you know, I was like, uh, one of the big things that I've lost through this, and it's going to sound again so like frivolous, but um, I was growing up, I started dancing when I was two and a half years old. I was a tap dancer my entire life. I like it was my life was competitive tap dancing okay which is ridiculous but that's what it was okay and i love it and i stopped uh when i got into college uh it was which was when i got when i started drinking um i um got sober in my 30s um started going to trauma therapy um six months into that uh at a real real low my trauma therapist was like you need to do something this week um, for yourself. And what I did is I went to a rehearsal studio and I started tapping again and putting it out there on like my social media. I started teaching classes to beginners without like concern of like, I have to be the best tap dancer, but Mm -hmm. instead of like, I want to teach people how to like do this, you know, this thing Um, that brings me joy. yeah. Yeah. And, and so I was teaching these tap classes and it just felt so, um, it was just this like wonderful positive thing in my life and um and I haven't been able to tap dance since um uh since I hit my head you know Mm -hmm. because it's like movement loud music and sound of metal hitting wood (laughs) yeah and um and balance and like just so much into it and you know I am looking at my physical recovery as like I just want to be able to do basic tap dance again Mm -hmm. and you know and that is a thing Mm -hmm. i forget where i started the sentence that's all right okay that was a good place to end it okay great it seems like there's a lot that you've recovered a lot but that there is there are still things that you hope to work toward you're not you're definitely not back at what how things were before and that might just not be the place that you're headed yeah and honestly like the other thing too is like so now I'm doing comedy again I started doing shows again like I said I'm hosting this weekly mic now um I'm not on stage every night and the shows that I've been doing have been so fun Mm -hmm. like I've just been having so much fun on stage which I haven't had in a while um I I feel like more of a focus because I can't I can't push myself in ways that are not productive anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to really be aware of what I'm doing. Um, who's whose show am I doing? Do I is this a person I want to like? What venue am I do? like? Is this worth it for me to put out the immense effort that it takes for me to get up on stage now? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is this yeah so I think in a way there's a lot of positives to it because it's so easy to just like climb up ladders we don't want to be climbing and because it's the ladder that appears or is most obvious yeah Mm -hmm. and I I don't have time for that anymore I don't don't have time for that like (laughs) or energy or brain space or anything and um 
And it's really kind of making me um, focus my efforts um, and also making me like chill out and just enjoy my dog, you know, mm-hmm. and just enjoy things and, um, and yeah, like whatever. I'm not going to say it's like a huge blessing. I, I love <laughs> my brain, you know, mm-hmm. and again, like, yeah, there's a lot of grief there. There's like a lot of, um, I really, uh, love my brain, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it's getting back and yeah. Um, do you have advice for someone, it's hard to say, like, someone who, in a similar situation, but someone dealing with a concussion as an adult, um, are there things you would tell them, uh, um, having been through your experience? I would say that, uh, people may try to, like, minimize the injury, mm. um, and you might even try to minimize the injury, but it's your brain and it's an injury. Your brain is bruised, like your brain hit your skull and your brain is now injured. Mm-hmm. And you owe it to yourself to let yourself recover whatever that takes, like whatever that is. If that means that you need to not work at the same company that you've been working at, you know what, it's your brain. You know, if it means that you need to take a break from comedy for seven months, it's your brain. You know, like, without your brain, what are you? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's your brain. Yeah. So, you know, regardless of, and, and not everybody's going to understand what you're going through, and people might disappear, and that, people might think you're making a big deal out of things. It's your brain. Yeah. Um, do you have advice for people who are in the support system of someone who's going through a concussion? Other than sort of the flip side of that, which is don't minimize their experience. <laughs> don't minimize their experience. Don't expect them to remember everything. Don't expect them to uh, uh, be able to go out and have all the same fun times that you used to have. Don't bring them to a dance club. Don't, uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't. You know, even things like you wouldn't even expect. Like, I went to um, the David Hockney exhibit a few weeks after with my friend who came from the Edward Monk exhibit to write. <laughs> Your art friend. My art friend. Because I was like, as like a, as a thank you to him, mm-hmm. I was like, let's go see the David Hockney. And, um, and we went, and I was like... I used to be able to look at art and I, and I love, like, I love abstract art. I love modern, the, the art that people make fun of where it's like, <laughs> it's just blue. And I'm like, no, but you feel it. Like, you feel that blue. And I'm standing there and I'm like, it's just blue. Mm. And that was like, so, um, ugh. like you, your friend is not, they're the same person but they are not experiencing the world the same way that they did before. And just really be gentle about that because it's harder on them than it is on you. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. I know it's like frustrating. I know I've frustrated friends. I know that I've probably, I don't want to say lost some friendships, but like strained some friendships as I've gone through this. But mm-hmm. like it's harder on them than it is on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, well, if people want to find you on the internet <laughs> to talk about concussions or comedy or whatever, yay! Where can they find you? Um, they can find me on Twitter at Jen Welch now. Jen with two N's. Welch like the grape juice. W e l c h now like right now. And they can find me on Instagram with the same handle. They can follow my dog on Instagram. Ooh. He has a new Instagram. It's blowing up here. It's only been a week. He has 80 followers. Wow. All organic. Mm, okay. <laughs> uh, and his Instagram handle is uh, at doctor, spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R, Augie, A-U-G-G-I-E, Salami, S-A-L-A-M-I, Dr. Augie Salami on Instagram. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> that's great. Um, well, Jen, thank you so much for talking to us about your concussions and your brain and your experience and your jokes and all of these things. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. 
Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shaw-Flam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah versus the Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes, help subscribing, and to join us on Patreon, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at justonemorepod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash justonemorepodcast, or you can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.